0: Well, good morning. Welcome to ABC. Thank you so much for joining us online. I'm glad you could tune in. We have a great service ahead here um, as we dive into this passage in Philippians. Before we do that, I want to let you know of a couple exciting things coming up. Next Sunday, Sunday, August 8th, is our ministry fair day, we're calling it, because all of the ministry opportunities that we have at ABC are gonna be outside after the services um, where you can just explore what do we have going on for men in our church? What, what's happening for women in our church, student ministries, kids ministries, what outreach opportunities are there, service opportunities, so many things happening uh, at ABC. And we really want for you to be able to take a step Um, towards engagement and uh, connectedness at ABC. that's a great opportunity to serve and uh, be a meaningful part of the church as we talk about these becoming statements, becoming committed to the mission of the church and becoming a partner in the ministry of the church. Uh, We would love to give you the opportunity to partner in the work of the church at ABC. So uh, next Sunday, August 8th, uh, we'd love to see you come on down to the ministry fair uh, right after the services. And then a couple weeks later, um, we are actually almost a month later, on sem- Sunday, September 5th, uh, we are going to be moving both of our services inside the worship center. Uh, we are really excited about this. It's been a long time coming. Um, a lot of people love the outdoor service. We're going to have some outdoor opportunities in the future as well. Um, but we're going to do both of our uh, 9 o'clock and 1045 service in the worship center. And uh, we're working towards... Um, launching our kids service at both of those services and would still love for people to um, uh, to show up and help us out with that if you're interested in serving with kids ministry. Finally I wanted to mention this coming Wednesday is our Senior Breakfast and it is at 9 o'clock in the room in the back there 102 uh, with a guest speaker and breakfast um, some fellowship with other seniors and would love to have you join us if you're interested in that. Have a wonderful Sunday thank you so much for tuning in and uh, we'll see you back here on campus shortly.
1: Well, hey, church, so glad you're tuning in today. If you're like me, you don't spend a lot of time thinking about what you think about, if that makes sense, but I think we really should. Do you ever get kind of upset thinking about like how random your thought patterns seem sometimes? I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes it's like middle of the night, right? And and you wake up, and for some reason, you can't get back to sleep. And, and what am I thinking about in a moment like that? I'm thinking about this one like awkward thing I said to some other kid in high school when I was 14 and how awkward I felt and I cannot go back to sleep because I'm, I'm like, I feel like a fool inside. I'm like, how could you say that? It was years ago. Or maybe like you're, you're praying. That happens to me all the time. I sit down and I try to pray and I pray for something real and serious for probably 10 seconds and then that makes me think about this. And then I'm thinking about this other thing. And then soon, I, I could even be thinking about something mean about somebody. Like I was praying something really good for somebody. And then I'm like, oh yeah, but then they said this to me last week. Oh, and then I felt this way. And then this way. And then like a minute and 30 later, I'm like sitting there stewing with some kind of like anger towards somebody that I was praying for like a minute 30 ago, right? Like it's just crazy and it's, it's hilarious like how um, not disciplined I feel like my mind is so often. Sometimes with really trivial, funny things but sometimes with real significant things. And, and I get frustrated. I get frustrated with how I can't seem to control the, the patterns of my thoughts, the patterns of my mind. And really that's it today. I, I want us to think about what we think about. I think God has a lot to say about our minds and about our thought lives and the patterns and the pathways of our thoughts. One of the most beloved passages in all of the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, is what uh, Jewish culture called the Shema. It's a Hebrew word. That means listen. Or even more specifically, it means hear and obey. And it became a daily prayer for the Jewish people, beginning in Deuteronomy 6, 4. And you've heard this before. It says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then in verse 5, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Now, what's really interesting is that somewhere along the lines of history, uh, somewhere between the Torah and when Jesus came on the scene. It got parsed out even more specifically, whether or not Jesus did it first or whether or not he was just going off of what had already happened in history. So he affirms this by reciting the Shema, but with one added word. See, if you look at Mark 12, 30, see if you can uh, hear the different word here, the change. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. Did you catch that? heart, soul, strength, and what else? Mind. See, the point starting out today is that clearly God cares a lot about your mind. He cares about your thought patterns and, and even the way that your mind facilitates space for your imagination. He weaves teaching on the mind all throughout Scripture. See, look what it says in the New Testament. Paul elsewhere, Second Corinthians chapter 10, he says, we destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. Paul says again in Romans 12, do not be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The mind is very important to God. From Old Testament to New Testament, beginning to end, the mind is very, very important to God, and he wants us to grasp that today. See, so I look at 2 Corinthians, I look at Romans 12, but those kind of lines feel so abstract to me. Right? Like, what does it mean to take a thought captive to obey Christ? Like, how do I, you know, ah, I got it, got one. Or like the renewal of my mind. What does it mean to be transformed by the renewal of my mind? What do I do? So that's why the message today is called How to Renew Your Mind. The goal today, very simply, is to think about what we think about. If, if we leave, and, and there's nothing other than that, if we leave today and you just have more intentionality with what you think about, maybe you catch yourself more often in negative thought patterns, if that's all we, we glean from today, honestly, I'll be happy if we just think about a little more what we think about. Craig Rochelle said that our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. So with that in mind, let's look at Philippians 4, 8, and 9. It's our text for today. Philippians 4, 8, and 9. Paul continues to the church. He says, Finally, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me practice these things and the god of peace will be with you see what paul says more abstractly in romans 12 or in first corinthians 10 he says in a in a granular practical specific way in philippians 4 it's so practical so specific in fact there's six things let's pull out there from that first line We'll call it six ways to think renewing thoughts. Sometimes you have to do a lot of work with a passage and glean some stuff, and sometimes it just it is sitting right there, and I just need to to read it and list it out for us today, and we just need to look at it as plain as it is. Today's one of those days. I mean, this says it all. Six ways to think renewing thoughts. How to renew your mind, and let's let's pose it in the form of some questions. So number one, you're thinking something. Ask yourself is it true? He says, whatever is true, think about such things. Ask yourself, is it true? That means, is it, is it truly reflective of God, of his gospel, of everything that is true within his creation? And we'll breeze past that right now, but we're gonna come back to that later because there's, there's a lot more to say about truth and where you are having your mind formed and, and, and what the input is into your mind for what is truth to you. So one, is it true? Number two, ask yourself, is it honorable? Thoughts you're having, thought patterns you're walking down, is it honorable? You know, is it of personal moral excellence, things and people worthy of honor and dignity things and attributes to be sought after. That is what honor is. Are you thinking honorable thoughts? Three, is it just? Justice as defined by the just character of God, reflected by people who seek justice by doing the right thing. Are your thoughts just thoughts? Is it just? Number four, maybe one of the most challenging ones, is it pure? And that's not just sexual. Really, all areas of moral purity in thought, speech, action, think of it as that which is not tainted by evil. I'm thinking this thought. Is it a pure thought? Is there impurity in the way that I'm thinking right now? Ask yourself, is it pure? Number five, ask yourself, is it lovely? Is it lovely? And that one sounds so uh, so ethereal, so flowery, right? But think about it, it's moral and it's aesthetic. It is all that is beautiful in creation and all that is beautiful in human lives around you. All that in a beautiful way reflects the beauty and the goodness of God himself. Is it lovely? This thought, is this a lovely thought? What does it look like to think thoughts that are lovely, that beautifully reflect the goodness and the loveliness of our creator? Number six, is it commendable? Is it commendable? Think of it as highly regarded and for good reason. Worthy to be highly regarded. Is this a good, is this a commendable thing to be thinking? And before we move on, it it may be helpful to think of the inverse of the passage. As you're thinking through your thoughts, as we try today to think about what we think about, what if you think about the inverse of the passage? So whatever is false, whatever is dishonorable, whatever is unjust, whatever is impure, whatever is unlovely, whatever is shameful, do not think about these things. Don't think about these things. Like it's simple as that. Like it's it's this full stop there at the end. If we invert the passage to that, whatever is false, don't think about it. Dishonorable, don't think about it. Unjust, impure. Don't think things that are impure. If you're thinking an impure thing, stop thinking it. Whatever's unlovely, whatever is shameful, do not think about these things. Let's circle back though to truth. Whatever is true, think about such things. Let's talk more about truth. One commentator said that the greatest danger in our busy, increasingly post-literate world is that we make little or no effort to think God's thoughts after him to hide his word in our hearts so that we might sin, we might not sin against him, Psalm 119 says. The commentator says, we cannot be profoundly influenced by that which we do not know. See, I don't think it's an accident that truth is the first attribute that Paul lists here. He says, whatever is true. Because if you look at that list, your idea of truth informs every other thing on that list. It informs every other thing that you think about. Your idea of truth, what you consider to be true, what you hold to be most fundamentally true about yourself and about God and about the world, that defines your idea of what is just. It defines your idea of what is pure, what is honorable, whatever is commendable. And on the inverse, the things you think are untrue or false or perhaps some lies that you may have been led to believe in your life, they have the power to destroy your life from the inside out. And that's not an exaggeration. Solomon said it this way in Proverbs, keep your heart with all vigilance for from it flow the springs of life. But here's where it gets more complicated. Keep tracking with me. Your mind, thinking right thoughts, it's not even just a matter of head knowledge, right? It's not just a matter of of reading the right things so that you think the right things. It's important for us to realize, and I mean crucially important, for us to realize that there is a very real supernatural element to our thought lives we have a real enemy an actual personal being named satan or the devil jesus calls him the evil one the ruler of this world one title that stands out of all the things that he's called one title that stands out to me is he's called the father of lies the father of lies satan loves to lie and he's been a liar since the beginning. He loves to lead God's people into believing things that are not true about God, about themselves, about himself, about the world. Satan thrives on lying, lies that lead to destruction, lies that ultimately lead to death. He is the father of of lies we have a very real enemy and, and it is a very real supernatural element to our thought lives so what do you do for starters embrace the reality that your mind is a battlefield for spiritual warfare let me say that again embrace the reality that your mind is a battlefield for spiritual warfare there's real activity happening between the flesh, the devil, the world, and the spirit, the kingdom of God, the new creation that we are, yet still in some ways captive to the flesh that we have. There's, there's a real war constantly happening, and so often the battlefield for that spiritual warfare is our minds. It is what you consider to be true or false, and honestly, it's, it's life or death importance. It's not just pleasantry. It's not just mental willpower. It is spiritual warfare. I think it's fascinating to see how science bears witness to these patterns of our thoughts and behavior. And I believe how our enemy, Satan, likes to operate and likes to work and likes to deceive even through our cognitive patterns. See, cognitive specialists, from what I understand, have classified the way we think into three groups. And I'll walk through it really quickly. I'll throw up a graphic on the screen. And we'll start at the bottom there and work our way up So first there at the bottom, one of the ways we we think, the way that we have thoughts, is what they call core beliefs. That's what you most fundamentally believe to be true. Whether you're a Christian or not, a spiritual person or not, it's what you believe to be true about God, yourself, and the world. Because whatever you believe about God is, is a very fundamental belief, if you think there is no God or if you think there is a God. So core beliefs, what you believe to be most fundamentally true. And then that leads up to what you could call assumptions or intermediate thoughts, they say. And what those are, are, they're conclusions that you come to over time based on your core beliefs. So if core belief X is true, then assumption Y must be true. And then up there at the top, that's really what you see above the surface. That's your everyday activity of life. It's things that you think without thinking about it. It's at the impulse level immediately translates to your behaviors, like you don't even think about it, it's impulse, immediately translates to the behaviors, actions, and words that make up your day and ultimately your life. And fascinating here, a lot of Christian counselors have talked about even the relationship between your imagination and that space, the automatic thoughts, how how that facilitates where your imagination goes and that that builds on top of assumptions that come from core beliefs. So we all know this pattern to be true if we think about it, both positively and negatively, depending on what or who are informing your core beliefs. Like, where do you get that stuff that you believe at the most core, fundamental level? So think of some examples, and, and I'll use some big ones here for the sake of illustration. Think about drinking. So there's an automatic thought. The top, the, the, you know, the most uh, impulsive level. Automatic thought, I wanna get drunk. That comes from an assumption that says, when I'm drunk, I can escape from the normal pressures of my life where does that come from i have a core belief that says my life is something i want to escape from see how that works at the core level you'd say if i'm honest i don't always think this but if i'm honest my life is something i want to escape from so if that's my core belief i make this assumption or intermediate thought When I'm drunk, I can escape from the normal pressures of life, which leads to an automatic thought, a thought you have without thinking about it, impulse level thought, I wanna get drunk. Think about the world of sex, intimacy, automatic thought. I need to look at pornography. That comes from an assumption, if I look at pornography, I can experience something sexual without the risk of intimacy. That comes from a core belief that says, I am incapable of being intimate. You might not always be aware of that, but if you really dig down to some roots in your heart and mind, you have this core belief that was formed somewhere, somehow, through your life. It says, I am incapable of being intimate. So here's a way to experience what I want to experience without the risk of intimacy, which ends up in the impulse level, just automatic thought, thought without thinking about it. I need to look at pornography. That is the solution to the core belief that I have. See, the question is, where are you getting your core beliefs? Where or from whom? Like, like Where is this coming from? Because they're coming from somewhere. Right? When someone tells you about themselves, what could they say? Maybe you say, well, I'm funny. Where did that come from? Well, somewhere along the line, you, you told a lot of jokes in school, and so your friends and your teachers and your parents all affirmed that you were funny. And so now you say, I am funny. Or you say, I am smart. Well, says who? Like, where did that come from? How, how can you say that you are smart? Or maybe, more significant for you, maybe you'd say, I am unlovable. I am unwanted. My life is beyond redemption. It's beyond purpose. It's beyond hope. Or maybe for a lot of us, I am not holy enough to point other people to Jesus. Maybe that's a core belief that you hold on to. At the deepest level of who you are, I'm not holy enough to point other people to Jesus. So what's the point? The question is, where are you getting these things? Where is this coming from? I want you to be aware of the spiritual warfare happening on the battlefield of your mind. See, because the father of lies, Satan, would love nothing more than to completely upend your core beliefs. The most fundamental space of your thought life, how you see the world, what you believe to be reality about God and yourself, he'll just hit you right there. And then listen, he'll just let your mind do the rest. He knows if he hits you right there in the core beliefs at the bottom, you will just unravel from the inside out because you believe that thing about God or you believe that thing about yourself, that'll lead to this assumption, that'll lead to this automatic thought, this impulse level thought. He knows if he hits you right there, you will just unravel, come undone from the inside out. And not only is he the father of lies, in Revelation, Satan's also called the accuser of God's people. He would love to have you believe That you're still condemned because of your sin. He would love to have you believe that that God cannot be all-loving and all-powerful at the same time. That God can't be good. There's no way he can be good. Look around at the world, right? He would love to have you believe that you cannot be used by God. That you can't be the whatever you're supposed to be. The mom you're called to be. The dad you're called to be. The friend you're called to be. The daughter you're called to be. He would love to have you believe every lie under the sun because he is the accuser of God's people. And so he'll use whatever and whoever he can to completely dismantle your core beliefs. See, because sometimes we can point out in our life where these things came from, right? Like, I feel unwanted because my dad left. I feel unlovable because of the divorce. But Satan will use that whatever and whoever he can to completely dismantle your core beliefs. So he can get you to believe whatever destructive lie he wants you to believe about yourself or about God. And the most terrible thing about it is we don't even realize that it's happening. I just don't want us to miss the gravity of what Paul's talking about. When he says to think about things that are true, it is life and death importance. It's not just pleasantry. It's not just like the Christian version of mindfulness. What you think about and what you consider to be true and false is life and death. It is spiritual warfare happening on the battlefield of your mind. Because even more than the finite consequences of your thought life. What you think about is a gospel issue of eternal significance. It reflects what you think about what Jesus did on the cross. About who you are because of his work on the cross. What you think about is a gospel issue, a belief issue, a faith issue of eternal significance. Where are you getting these core beliefs that you have? Let me offer this up. What if it looked more like this? What if it was like, I have this automatic thought, this impulse level, thought without thinking about it. I need to read God's word and listen to his voice today. Why do I think that? Because I have an intermediate thought, an assumption, that God can speak truth and guidance to me through his word and through prayer. And that comes from a core belief that God is real and present and his word is living and active. I believe at the deepest level that God is real and present and his word is living and active. So then I assume he can speak truth and guidance to me through his word and through prayer. So automatic thought. What if your automatic thought every day was, I need to read God's word and listen to his voice today? See, why would you believe that? Because of all the competing voices in your life that claim to know the truth, you've decided to listen to the one who actually does know the truth. The one who not only knows the truth, but the one who is himself the way and the truth and the life. See, when you combat the lies and the accusations of the enemy, with the truth about who God is and who you are because of it, you preach the gospel, you preach biblical truth to yourself and to the world around you because of your resistance to lies and falsehood and evil. And it's not about feeling proud of your mental willpower, but it's about being rooted in faith, that God is who he says he is, you are who he says you are, and reality is what he says it is. When my kids were a little younger, we gave them this short list of affirmations to learn and just to say about themselves. Because even already, as, as just little kids, I mean, it's sad to see how the lies of the enemy work through the world and the culture to convince my daughters of things that aren't true. And so there's just this little list of things. I'll tell you what they say and then I actually wanna play this video and, and you can just hear for yourself. But here's what they would say. they say, I am a child of God. They'd get up they'd look in the mirror. They'd say, I am a child of God. I am beautiful on the inside and outside. I am brave. I am strong. I am safe. I am loved by my family and friends. I can do hard things. Check out this video really quick. I am a child of God. I am beautiful on the inside and outside. I am brave. I am strong. I am safe. I am loved by my family and friends. I can do hard things. That's pretty cute, right? Isn't that pretty cute? <laughs> um, and it's and it is. It's it's cute and it's it's sweet. Like for a three and a half year old to look in the mirror and say those things, but the reality is they have to. Like it's not it's not just to be cute. It's not just to to tell my daughters sweet things about themselves. It's because before they know it, before we know it, the world around them will not be whispering lies, and the world will be shouting lies at my daughters. For the rest of their lives here, they're going to be hearing from so many angles and voices that they're not whatever enough, that they're not pretty enough, that they're not skinny enough, that they're not successful enough, that they're not independent and strong enough, or they're not dependent enough. Like whatever it is, there's going to be so many lies that Satan is going to use through culture and through our world to convince my daughters of things that are just not true about themselves, about God, and about the world around them. So it's not just, it's not just a sweet and cute thing, although it is the sweetest and cutest thing in the world. It is life and death importance, I believe, to say true things, to affirm true things, literally out loud in the mirror if you have to. And I do not discourage that at all, literally. You'll feel really ridiculous, but hey, give it a shot. Look in the mirror and say true things from the Bible about yourself and about God. See if that changes your day. See if that changes the patterns of your week. I don't know. Maybe you need to speak truth to lies right now. Maybe you just need to agree with these. See, I know for a fact that I'm not condemned before God. As much as the accuser of God's people would love to have me believe, the father of lies, he would love to have me believe that I am, but I know for a fact that I'm not condemned before God because the crucified and risen Jesus tells me otherwise. Because Romans tells me otherwise. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I know for a fact that my life is not hopeless, that I have purpose. I know for a fact that I'm not alone or unwanted or unlovable because the gospel shows me otherwise, because the crucified and risen Jesus tells me otherwise. Maybe you need to just speak some affirmations to yourself and not in a cheesy, Disney, empty, flattery way. I just mean in a, hey, preach biblical truth to yourself. Fill your mind and your heart with truth from God's word. Things that can anchor you as the world shouts lies to you, as Satan whispers lies in your heart and your mind, that you could be anchored to the truth of God's word. Maybe you just need to speak truth to your lies. See, Paul doesn't end with just thinking, and this, how, this is how uh, he closes in verse nine. Basically, when you think well, you live well. He ends with practice. See, in the verse, he says what you've learned Received what you've heard, what you have seen in me. Practice these things. And what will happen? See what he says there? He says, the God of peace will be with you. How good does that sound? How good does peace sound, right? Do you want the peace that comes from God's presence, the God of peace, to know that he is with you? Not to make this all about you, but in some sense it's up to you. He gives you a little bit of a playbook right here. A little bit of a cause and effect, if then clause. In some sense, it's up to you. Think about these things. Don't think about these things. And the God of peace will be with you. Take it or leave it. Think about what you think about. That's ultimately my hope for today. That's my hope for this week, that we might enter the week with, with another level of intentionality. Hey, I'm gonna stop myself this week. As I enter into negative thought patterns, as I enter into to sinful thought patterns, I'm gonna stop myself and ask myself, is it true? Is it pure? Is it honorable? Is it just? I'm gonna think on these things. And if I do, and when I do, the God of peace, oh, his presence will be so felt, so real to me. The God of peace, the peace that comes from his presence, will be so real with me throughout my day. Let's think about what we think about, church. Let me pray for us, and then I just want to read a passage over you before we go, but let me pray. Lord, I'm so thankful that you care so much about our minds. You care about uh, what we think about, how we think about it. You teach us all through scripture that our, our ideas have consequences what we think about and what we don't think about. They pave the way for actions and for behaviors and for really the components that make up our lives. So God, right now, I just I pray that we would sense the seriousness of that. We would sense the gravity of our thought lives, even though it's this, this space in our heads or whatever it is where uh, we can keep secrets. Nobody knows what we're thinking about. Nobody knows the worst things we think about. Lord, even in that space, would we sense the gravity, the consequences of the thoughts we have, how our core beliefs lead to assumptions we make and how that leads to just automatic behaviors, to impulses, to habits. Lord, would you give us the core beliefs that come from your word? And would we do whatever we have to do to remind ourselves of what's true and to refuse what's false. Would we have the core beliefs that are rooted in scripture, rooted in your truth? God, would you help us just affirm biblical truth? Just speak to ourselves. Lord, preach your word to ourselves every day. Lord, give us the focus. Give us the mental discipline by your Spirit's power to think on these things. Think on these things that are true and just and pure and lovely and so on and so forth so that we could experience your peace like never before. God, we love you and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you go, can I just read this over you as a blessing, a benediction, as it were, from Colossians chapter 1, 9 and 10? Would you just receive this? Knowing that what you think about has the power to change your life, your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Uh, Would you just receive this as a blessing, as a prayer over you? We have not ceased to pray for you. We're asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.